The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Okay. How about now? Now can you hear me? I went. Cannot hear you. No sound. How can you hear me now? I just noticed it was muted. So the software that I use now comes up muted the first time. So 
All right. Now we can hear. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Darren. Um, about the time I read that, I finally figured out that there was no sound, too, because there is a visual indication that I have sound, and I wasn't looking at that soon fast enough. So, once again, I'm Associate Pastor Nelson Nisley at Tower View Baptist Church here in Kansas City, Missouri. You can see our website. You can see our phone number for you to contact us. And if you have any information or you have any questions or any, anything like that, you can do that. Um, so welcome. It's a beautiful sunny morning. I've clicked around that things are now working much gooder, gooder, yes, because that's my word my grandpa told me, is gooder. Um, so this is the Sunday School lesson. If you are using the Explore the Bible series, we are in Lesson 6. We are going to be in Luke chapter 19 today, um, is where we're going to be. I'm going to do a little background in chapter 18, but that's where we're going to be today, Luke chapter 19. And let's see, we got, I see Robert Shirley. Good morning, Don and Shirley. Let's see, we got some more people coming on, I'm sure. So, good morning, one and all. So, I thank you for watching. I thank you for listening. Let's start with a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all that you are. Help us as we study your word for a few minutes this morning that we can be your servants, that you will open our hearts and open our minds and open our attitudes, Lord, to, to your word and to your Holy Spirit. We just pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right. Yes, the sound is working now, now that I fixed it. I had to click the right little spot on the screen to make it work. Um so that's where we are today. That's what's going on um, for us. Let's see. Okay. So Luke chapter 19. Hey, if you find this helpful, if you find this, you know, meaningful, and you think others will, will like it, um, you know, you can, you know, obviously click the like thing, but, you know, also share it to your page. More people will see it um, and, and such. So, you know, don't be afraid to do that. Okay. All right, Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, starting in verse 1, is the account of when Jesus met Zacchaeus. And depending on how old you are, you may remember singing songs about Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. But if you look back in chapter 18, the setup no, no scripture is by itself. You, you need to look at the context. But if you look at chapter 18, which we did a few weeks ago, before um, Palm Sunday and Easter, we were in Luke chapter 18, and we looked at prayer. Jesus had told two different parables about prayer, about being humble in prayer, being humbly persistent and just being humble and repentant in your heart. And then he talked about the children in, in Luke 18, um, 15, that we should be like children when we come to God. We should be innocent and we believe what God says. The way children believe us when we tell them things. 
And then Luke 18.18 is the account of the rich ruler. And and some of the other Gospels, it says he's a rich young ruler. Don't know how young is young, but he's a ruler. And he comes to Jesus and asks, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus mentions some of the the commandments, the ones that you can see outwardly that people work on. The adultery, don't commit adultery, don't commit murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your mother and father. Those those are outward ones, ones that people can see. But the first couple um, of the Ten Commandments about honoring God, about not uh, taking his name in vain and taking it being a vain attitude towards God are more internal and more personal. And Jesus didn't mention those. Because he had a point. And, and the man, after Jesus mentioned these outward um, commandments, he said, I've kept all these. And Jesus said, you still lack something. In verse 22, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And the man couldn't do this. He went away sad. Because he couldn't give away what he had, what he had earned, what he had gained. In verse twenty four, in eighteen twenty four, it says, "Seeing this, he became sad." Jesus said, "Seeing that he became sad, so Jesus saw how sad the young man was." Jesus said, "How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God." So those around him said, then who can be saved? And Jesus said, what is impossible with man is in, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And so this rich young ruler could not come to God because his wealth blocked him. It could not, he could not depart from his wealth. Is it about his wealth, or is there something else that was going on? Or was there some other pride that was happening? This man was pride, prideful, but he had followed all the commandments. But yet there was still something in his heart that kept him from God. And it had to do with the money. Not that the money itself, money is just a thing. But other places in Scripture, it says the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money. God, Jesus also said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't do both. And that was the root of the problem with this man, was his money. He was the love of the money that he had. And so Jesus went on. And so Jesus went on. As you go down through Luke 18, he predicts his death. And we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Jesus more than once predicts what's going to happen to him before when he gets to Jerusalem that last time. But then in verse 35, 1835, he approaches Jerusalem, or Jericho, and there was a blind man that was by the road begging. Well, why was he begging? Because he was blind. There were no jobs for blind men. None. There was, they didn't have uh, tools and things that could, you know, that could be operated by a blind man. 
And so the only way for a blind man to get money, to buy food, pay rent, was to beg, to sit by the road and hope somebody would give him some money. And so he was there and he could hear a large a bunch of people coming down the road. So he starts asking, what's, what's going on? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. That's what they said. Jesus, Jesus, the man, he's from the town of Nazareth. But what did the man call out? He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David is a messianic title. It comes from the Old Testament, from Scripture. So this man would have had to know Scripture. And know, and he knew about Jesus. He had heard about, he heard the news of who this Jesus of Nazareth was and the things that he was doing. And so he cries out, Son of David, a proclamation of who Jesus is. And so Jesus stops and talks to him. And he said, Jesus asked him, what do you want? Not that God needed to ask, but he wanted to hear it from the man himself. And the man said, I want to see. And Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. Now, some translations may say your faith has healed you. But that word can be trans- is often translated saved. Instantly, he could see. So obviously, he was healed. But Jesus used the word for saved. And so this man began glorifying God, and he followed Jesus. And so we have this coming up to the... So Jesus is just outside Jericho, getting ready to come in. And now he comes into Jericho, and there's a crowd, and they're already rejoicing, because what happened to this blind man just outside the city? But remember the things that have happened before this. And so now we come to Zacchaeus. In Luke, um, in Luke 19, which is the heart of the lesson for today. Luke 19, he says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a, ch- a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see Jesus, but he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to, to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. Let's stop right there. So think about the most famous person you've ever seen. And what kind of, what did you have to do to, to meet them? Did you have to wait in line? Did you have to buy tickets to an event? Um, you know, think about, you know, the, the, you know, what it takes to meet a rich person. Some people, you know, meet just happen to meet them in public. They just happen to be out and about, and you just happen to run into them. But often, you have to wait in line. You have to buy a ticket to an event. And so, those types of things. And here was Zacchaeus is a chance to meet, to see Jesus. So what does he need to do? Well, he tries. There, there, in, in Jericho, there was a, a like a boulevard, a, a path, a like or an avenue where it was just tree lined on the outside of the street, 
And that was been the street. That was the street Jesus was walking down. So it was a wide street. It had trees and probably you know some other plants along the way that looked really nice. And so, but people were lining the route. I mean, think about you know here in Kansas City uh, a year ago, a little over a year ago, we had a parade for the Super Bowl champions, and the streets were packed. Think about any parade you've been at, been at, especially a, a popular parade. If you're in the back of the crowd, you can't see. You know, that's why, you know, kids, you know, dads put kids up on their shoulders so they can see. Well, Zacchaeus was a short man. He couldn't see. And the crowds were there. And I imagine some of them knew who he was and didn't like him. So they weren't going to let him budge in front of them. Um, you know, they two guys got together and put their shoulders together so he couldn't get through. And nobody was letting him through to get into the front of the crowd. So he had just had to run ahead of the crowd and get and, and finally found a place where he could climb up into a tree so he could get above the crowd. He didn't have to get up high. He only had to get up about three feet or so, just high enough to be above the heads of everybody. And he did. And so he took the time and the effort to try to see Jesus, that he was running around like a fool, jump running up, climbing a tree, just so he could see Jesus. This wasn't trying to talk to him trying to get to the head of the line so he could shake his hand. This was just trying to see him. The blind man on the outside of town was hollering because he didn't want to, well, he did want to see Jesus because he couldn't see, but he wanted Jesus to stop and heal him. Zacchaeus is not even trying to do that. He's just trying to look at Jesus from a distance, you know, just to try to see Jesus walk by. That's all he wanted to do. He wasn't trying to finagle anything else. In verse in Luke 19:5, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, "Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house." So Jesus comes in and invites himself to Zacchaeus's house. You know, think about it. I mean, if Somebody you like, you know, that you think is famous, whether it's a ball player, a sports figure, a, a singer, an actor, uh, maybe a politician. I mean, if they came through and they said, hey, can I, can I stay at your house tonight? You more likely would say yes. I mean, a chance to hang out with them uh, longer and, and talk to them in private? Sure, yes. Zacchaeus was the same way. I said, yeah, Jesus, you can come to my house. So Zacchaeus did. He came down. It says in, in verse 6, So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. So you think the differences here in the, in the rich young ruler that we, read, we just read about in Luke 18. Jesus didn't ask to go to his house. The rich young ruler probably would have taken him, but would he have done it joyfully? He might have done it begrudgingly. He's like, you're, you're going to mess up my house. All your dirty disciples? I don't know. I, I, I. Zacchaeus didn't give it a second thought. But what did the crowd say? Most of the people in crowd, it says all. I'm sure it wasn't 100%. It's hyperbole. Most of the people who saw this began, began to complain. He has gone to stay with a sinful man. 
Now think about how often Jesus did that. As we read through the as we have read through the book of Luke the past few months, he has went to tax collectors' houses. He has went to a fisherman's house. He has went to Pharisees' houses. He touches the lepers. He, you know, um, women of ill repute have poured perfume on his feet. And so he is not worried about what other people think of him. He is worried about people, their heart, their soul, their eternity. And so he goes. The people had already judged Zacchaeus because of what he does. He's a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. So he's in charge of other tax collectors. They work for the Romans. They work for the government. The people wanted Jesus to come and defeat the Romans and kick them out of their country. He didn't want them to be buddy-buddy with sympathizers. And tax collectors also tended to steal because the Romans said, hey, here's the tax, you know, $1 for every person that walks through like a toll road type of thing. But if you want to, you know, but they looked the other way if the toll collector charged more than that. So the Romans might say the toll is $1, but the tax collector that's sitting there taking the tolls would say, that's $2 for you. Oh, I know who you are. <laughs> it's 5 Oh, no, you're a nice guy to me. Yeah, it's just a dollar for you. I mean, they, they could pick and choose how much they wanted to charge. And so people didn't like him, and they got to pocket that extra money. And so people didn't like it. Verse 8, But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Now where was Zacchaeus standing? We don't know. Was this still out in the street? Was this after they got to Zacchaeus' house? Right when they got there? Or was it like Zacchaeus' house later in the evening? It doesn't say specifically. He says, look, I will give half my possessions to the poor. Lord, and if I have extorted any, anything from anyone, I will pay back four times as much. Verse 9. Jesus, this is Jesus talking, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. So the people were complaining that Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, and here Jesus said, he too is a son of Abraham. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house. So it made you think that Jesus was at the house. They were in, in, the, in Zacchaeus' home. But Zacchaeus said he will. It doesn't say that Jesus asked him to give money. It looks like Zacchaeus volunteered it. He says, I'm going to give half my money away to the poor. I don't know how that looked like. I don't know if they had, you know, organizations that took care of things like that. Salvation Army or City Union Mission here in Kansas City. Um other organizations that do you know, food pantries. It doesn't say how he was giving the money away, who he was giving it to. He just said the poor. How he did it really is not material. If he did it all at once or it just started a habit and a practice of giving it away, we don't know. 
But he said he'd have extorted anything from anybody. He'd pay them back four times as much. Which is on par with in the Old Testament. It said if you you know if somebody steals, you know they, there was a restitution that had to be paid. Now I don't know if Zacchaeus extort really did extort anybody. If that was his habit before, or if he was, it's a it's a thing that he he didn't do that in the past. But just to let in case he did, if anybody had a claim, he would pay them back four times. In case he accidentally extorted somebody. We don't know. It could be either one. But here it is. Zacchaeus. Now, here's the question I have that does not listed. Jesus went back to Zacchaeus and asked, what did they talk about? How did Jesus talk to him? It's the same thing when Jesus went to the other, you know, other tax collector's houses. When he went to Matthew's house. When he went to the Pharisees' house, it doesn't say what they talked about, most of it. I mean, sometimes it, it talks about a parable Jesus told, but that would, that's a, parables are short. He was there for hours. It doesn't say what they talked about. What led Zacchaeus to say these words? Where's the sinner's prayer that Zacchaeus is supposed to say? Jesus preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We read that in the book of Mark. Did Jesus talk, say those words to Zacchaeus? It doesn't say that he did, but it doesn't say he didn't. And where does it say? Where does Zacchaeus say, "I'm a sinner," like the the, the tax collector that was praying in the temple in Matthew eight and in, in Luke eighteen? Zacchaeus doesn't say. He just says, "I'm going to give my money away." And Jesus said, "Salvation has come to this house." Repentance is more than just words. It's not just repeating a prayer in a little pamphlet or repeating a prayer that a pastor says at the end of a service. Whether it's in-person service or when you heard on the radio. It can be that, but it's more than that. God is not controlled by incantations. God looks at your heart. He wants you to change. He wants you to repent. He's looking for a change of heart, a change of attitude. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's he's striving for. Because that's where true repentance comes from. That's where true worship comes from. It's not just the outward actions. Outward actions should reflect what's in our heart, but we know people wear masks and people do things that don't. I mean, think about when your favorite, you know, whether, you know, celebrity type person, whether it's a sports figure or a politician or or, or an actor, you think they're a great person, and then some news leaks out of some awful thing that they've done. That they've been doing for years, you just didn't know about it. And how that changes how you think about them. Because they wore a mask. They were able to fool us. Sometimes it's people, not celebrities, it's just people in your lives. 
somebody at work. Sometimes it's somebody at church or somebody in your family. You find out they have a hidden life. And it changes how you think about them. The people knew about Zacchaeus and they hated him. Why? Because he was rich. How he got his money? Because he was a tax collector. But here we see his heart. And he's going to give away his money. Will that change people's attitudes about him? Now, if you're rich and you give away a bunch of your money, you still probably have more money than most people. You know, th- I mean, think about, you know, rich, you know, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates. If they give away half their money, they're still pretty wealthy people. Because a half of a lot is still a lot. And so Zacchaeus has a change of heart. We don't hear the words that he says, God, you know, Jesus, I repent of my sins. He just says, I'm going to give away half my money. That's the indication. That's the outward sign that we see. What is the outward sign in your life that you've repented? That you are repenting if you were a child of God, that you continue to repent? What has changed about your life from before you were a Christian to now? What needs to change about your life today to show your repentance, your continual repentance? It may have to do with money. It doesn't have to be. The the blind beggar didn't have any money to give away. But he made a fool of himself, started shouting and screaming, and he made a commitment. He made a a pronouncement that Jesus was the son of David. That's a statement of faith that he screamed out loud so the whole crowd could hear him. So the blind beggar did make a statement of faith. Zacchaeus' statement of faith was, hey, I'm going to change my life. I am going to change how I live and what I do with my money. The rich young ruler refused to do that. We see the humbleness in the parable of the, of the, of the tax collector that prayed at the temple and says, you know, I'm, I'm just a sinner. Um, God have mercy on me. God have mercy on me, a sinner. Does Zacchaeus say those words? I don't know if he said them out loud, but he sure said him, his actions said that's what it did, he did. It's not recorded that he said it. He very well could have said that. But Zacchaeus decided to change his life because of Jesus. He did repent. We just don't see those words. But his actions showed it. Why? Verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Sometimes, in, in just kind of a footnote, sometimes in, in some of the other Gospels we'll see that phrase, and you'll see a footnote that says, this is not in the, most, in the most reliable, oldest scriptures. Well, it's not in that location, but it's in this location, in Luke 19.10, it is always there. And so sometimes when you see that, well, this must be not a good translation of the Scripture. No, it's always there. It's just not always in that specific text. But it's here in Scripture, in Luke 19.10. It's always here. 
in all, in all versions. There's no footnote that says this is not there for this scripture. But that's what Jesus came to do, to seek and to save that which is lost. And he has not stopped doing that. That continues today. While Jesus is not physically here on earth walking around and preaching, he has appointed servants to do that. I am one of those. Pastor Darren is one of those. And so sometimes it's the pastors that are doing that in churches. But it doesn't have to just be pastors. Jesus had disciples. But even those disciples went out. And they, they brought people to Jesus. And you can bring people to Jesus, even if you're not a pastor. Even if you're not a pastor, you can, point, you can read Scripture. You can quote that Scripture. And you can, whether it's quoted, you know, exact quote or a paraphrase, you can quote Scripture to others to encourage them, to lead them to Jesus, to point to them the salvation that Jesus has. And if they don't have the right question or, you know, if they have a question you can't answer, you know, come, come to me. Come to Pastor Darren. Ask us, hey, somebody asked me this question. I don't know how to answer them. We can walk through Scripture and help you to answer that question for them. You can bring them to church. There are multiple ways. You, you, the testimony of God in your life they may argue with what, how good Scripture is and how accurate Scripture is, but they can't argue with how God has changed your life. And you can talk to them and tell them how God has changed your life. The same way Zacchaeus could go from this point on and tell how much God changed his life. And the blind man can go and tell how God changed his life. The rich young ruler couldn't do that because God didn't change his life. Because he refused to repent. He refused to let God in. But you can. So if you've never turned to God, today is that it could be the day of your salvation. Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To repent of your sins. To turn to God. To let Jesus in your heart. All those different phrases that we use to describe that. Romans 10, 9 and 10. You confess with your heart. And you believe with your mind. You believe the words of Scripture. It's not just an intellectual belief. You know what? Satan believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Satan believes that. But why is he condemned? Because he doesn't follow God. He has an intellectual belief, but he doesn't have an intimate, internal heart-wrenching, changing belief and choose to follow God. He has not repented of his sins. And nor will he ever. But you can. So just having said, well, I believe that God exists, that doesn't, that doesn't cut it. It's more than that. You believe that the scriptures are true and you follow them. Even as if it means changing your life and changing your heart, and changing your attitudes. You willingly do that. That's what Zacchaeus did. That's what the blind man did. It's not what the rich young ruler did. 
It's not what many of the Pharisees did, although some did, but most didn't. They rejected Jesus. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That includes you. And if you were a child of God and maybe have been a child of God for many years, this, this is a continuation. You continue to serve. You continue to repent. You are still a sinner. You still need to pray, God have mercy on me, a sinner. You still need to find ways to change your heart and change your lives. Because as, as, as you get older, there are still sins in your life that God's working on in your heart. You think, well, I take care of this sin, and you, you can list sins that God has helped remove from your life. And then God says, okay, now it's time to work on this one. It's a never-ending process. Not till we, well, I take that back. It does end. When we get to heaven, it ends. But as far as we're, as long as we're on the earth, we've got to keep striving. It's like walking up the down escalator. As soon as you stop, you're going backwards. So we keep striving. We keep going forward. We keep with the mission that Jesus gave us, to seek and to save that which is lost. And if somebody doesn't listen to you, it's not because they hate you. They haven't rejected you. Ultimately, they're rejecting God. Even if they reject you, they're, they're really rejecting God. So I pray today that salvation will come to your house. That you will be too be a son of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all that you give us. And all that you have, Lord, you are the mighty God. Show us how to live a life of repentance. So we we can live joyfully the way Zacchaeus was joyful when Jesus came to his house. You are the mighty God. We just pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Once again, I thank you for watching and listening. If you want to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at towerviewkc.com. You can call us. There's a number there, 816-368-1330. You you can, like I said, there's a place on the website, there's a place on our Facebook page that you can leave us a message. You can ask a question. You can tell us about a decision for Christ that you've made, something that's happened in your life. Um, and once again, I'm Pastor Nelson Isley here at Tower View Baptist Church teaching Sunday school today um, as we go through. Let's see here. Darren is being busy today. Um, Judy, I see your name there. Janet, good morning. So I thank you for all watching and listening today. It, it is an honor to teach. And as I said before, you know, more, the let more people see about this, you know, hit you know that like button, um, share it on your on your page, and, and so more people can see messages like this, whether it's this or, or our the Sunday sermon. Um, so so do that. Um, this morning we're going to have church ten thirty. It's a beautiful day outside. We're um, still doing drive-in church. Um, if you made reservations, you can come in. I know more people made reservations this week. We have more chairs set up. I'm going to set the speakers up outside so you can sit, bring your lawn chair and sit in the grass. Uh, you're welcome to do that. Um, 
This morning, Darren will be preaching from inside and just doing it on a rotation basis now. So thank you for watching and listening. Praise God. Come and serve him and worship him on this uh, Resurrection Sunday because every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. And come and worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. So uh, God bless and have a wonderful, uh, blessed day.